0: This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast.
1: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I is your host, Brandon, my host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, we got the Luton Town match review. That's right, Luton away, the Cracker Jack box stadium that everybody seems to love, Dan. We squeezed our 37 fans in and walked away with all three points. I'm excited about this one as we head into New Year's Eve. You know, I will
0: say... I would love to go to an away day there. I think it would just be absolutely fun as all get out. So for that reason alone, Nick, as much as I am happy we picked up all six points against Luton, I would love for them to stay up this year. I really would. I, w- I think it would be fun to try to get to an away game at Luton next year.
2: Yeah, I have a ton of respect for Luton and what they do. I mean, obviously, they overcame huge odds to even make it to the Premier League last year. They, you know, won... the. Uh, um playoff in extra time and penalties and i genuinely think rob edwards is a a really great manager with the amount of ingredients he has in his cupboard he's made a uh, pretty competitive side uh, out of that and so yeah um, i think there are some other teams i'd rather see go down than luton but um they have a big job on their hands it's gonna be interesting to see what happens
1: I'll, uh, I'll reserve some of my comments for later in the episode, especially if you've seen my socials lately after this one. But, uh, look, we have a lot to talk about. We got a loony match against Luton Town, and we're going to jump into it like we always do with our three-word match review. And in case you missed it, chelsea Dan, what did the lovely people have to say after this one?
0: Spanish Joe starting us off with banger management therapy. You had G Page 8 with the Hatters handled haphazardly Aaron with the Luton Lucy Goosey Luton. T.K. Lott with the Forever in Doubt. That was really good. Craig with Sauce Stains Sheet. Rasta Sauce Barkley. Yeah, unfortunately, it was the cause of you know no clean sheet, at least initially. Uh, Allison Bender with the Only Needing Two Silva's Face. Kind of could be a meme in the near future. Five Takes on Five Stripes with Cole. Colum Collected whole column collected. You had Philo with the real deal Petrovich because I knew I couldn't get away without getting one goalie reference in there for Brandon Busby.
2: Man, it's alright. You do you. You do you. You know? Like, I just,
0: I know I'm going to pick up slat, a flack if I don't, so I'm, I'm just
1: you know avoiding that. I want to end 2023 on a strong note. Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of pod left, so we'll see how this rolls out. Uh, I put Discord loves drama. If you're in, you know. So we, uh, we gave up the first goal, and I said drama and everyone's like shut up and I was like nah we need a little bit of drama this will be fun and they scored a second and I was getting roasted uh it was very nervy in discord but it was a ton of fun and I'm glad to uh to be the one coming out on top so I I owned you guys that was fun I appreciate that Dan what about you
0: absurdly clinical chelsea scoring on a 0.02 xg a 0.03 xg and then cole rounding it out at the end with a 0.96 xg three goals off of 1.01 xg that is exactly what nick verlaney was asking for the christmas present from chelsea coming a little too late but absolutely the type of thing we'd love to see i'll take more absurdly uh, absurdly clinical chelsea all year it's perfectly fine Perfectly fine for next year, too.
2: Yeah, however we can get it. Uh, I I did the uh, we're halfway there um, song. That's mine. Um, I think, you know, pretty standard uh, season uh, point of view, but also kind of just feels like we're about halfway to being a competent team. (laughs) It, It just seems like we're in the middle somewhere. So halfway there, we're halfway there. No, I love it.
1: All right. Well, uh, as always, like huge shout out to our community, Nick. We're always so blown away by the support that we've gotten and gotten. And if you're new, uh, we've got some great ways for you to help
2: us out. And a very exciting announcement coming up too that we're just going to tease here right now and leave on the table for you guys. Um, Can't wait for Discord on that one. Yeah, they've been gonna... they've been
0: dragging us for not getting that announcement out earlier, but uh, it's it's coming in the very near future. It's in coming January in it's January going. early what if January it just doesn't
2: let's just play this out first <laughs> see how long we can
0: things have been signed brandon busby we can announce Think, things
2: things have been signed we can tease things um all right well of course you guys know uh, our community is absolutely incredible free ways to support us subscribe on youtube uh, help grow that community i think get us closer to that 30k number uh five star reviews apple Podcasts, spotify all those things really help us get seen of course if you want to um roast brandon busby in discord you can join that community and of course sign up for the free london is blues dis- dispatch with sam uh writing those every week uh it's A lot of great content going on right now. We have so much happening all the time. Thanks to the community for supporting us. We roll. All right. Well, let's jump into it now. It was Luton Town this past Saturday, the 30th of
1: December, our last match of the 2023 year. It was in the Premier League at Kenilworth Road. Uh, Scoreline, in case you somehow missed it, Luton Town 2, Chelsea Three goals coming in the 12th minute from one Cole Palmer. 37th minute from Matawake assist Palmer, and then Palmer rounding out an almost perfect day in the 70th minute assist Nico Jackson. But 80th minute Ross Barkley causing some noise in 87th minute Arabayo after a potentially poor save from. Uh, Petrovic pushing it back across his goal. But let's dive in a little bit deeper, Dan, with the lineups. We'll hit the top-line stats and jump in.
0: Well, as you mentioned, it was a big George, I think, on the day. I'll round out and give him the big George credit. And between the sticks, you had Molo Gusto, Axel Di Tiago Silva, and Levi Colwell as your back four. Connor Gallagher and Moises Caicedo putting in some shifts in the midfield because our attack was four wide when you had Anani Matawake, Cole Palmer, Nico Jackson, and Armando Broya as the attack on the day. We did use some substitutes, only one coming before the 80th minute in the 62nd, and, and Christopher Kunku for Armando Broya, Enzo Fernandez in the 81st minute for Matawake, and then Alfie Gilchrist, two matches back-to-back in some 90-minute-plus stoppage time substitutions coming on to get Cole Palmer a little bit, of applause from the away supporters as he exited the pitch. That's right. We threw two goalkeepers on there as well: Bergstrom and Bettinelli. Yamatsin, Mudrik, Matos, and Sterling were your unused subs on the day.
1: All right. Some of the top line stats. Uh, let's see. Luton with the 2.53 xG. Chelsea with the 1.5, according to SofaScore. I know. If you feel like Dan, you put something else, or did? Was yours? We scored three goals off of a one for your three match review. We scored three off of the one amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we had 1.5 total. Uh, we had 49% possession, which might be interesting. We had 12 shots, eight on target. That might be a record, a conversion record, right? On the season. Uh, Luton had 15 shots, but only six on target and not until the very end. I think their first shot came in like the midway point through the second half is quite, quiet until the flurry at the end. Uh, from there, we had 21 fouls to their 14. <laughs> that is a lot of kicking each other, uh, two cautions for each team. And then uh, we had one big chance. We missed ours. They had four big chances and they missed two, which is crazy. And they also hit the woodwork twice. So uh, I think that's why a lot of people are feeling a bit lucky how this one all rolled out. And then lastly, we had uh, four saves to their five. Busy, busy day for the goalkeepers, which you love to see. And then our one random stat from Adopt to Joe says, 12, Cole Palmer has been involved in 12 Premier League goals this season. Eight goals, four assists. The only player currently aged 21 or under to be involved in more in Europe's top five leagues this term is one Jude Bellingham, who is on 15. Cool. Cole. Uh love, seems good. Love to see that. I mean, it's all right. I mean, if Jude Bellingham's the yardstick and we're we're measuring up to it, that's that's decent. I I'd say so.
2: Look, uh, you know, we we did a lot in this match. There was a lot of things to talk about. I think the one that really stood out is uh, Cole Palmer's uh, celebration. He's a little chilly. That's all. A little bit chilly. Uh, saw all the Instagram comments. Said so after the game. Wanted to do something to pay that off. One. It's a fantastic celebration that makes him look like a boss. And two, it is a bit shithouse, and I love it. And three, uh, I, I did a nice little tweet saying, baby, it's Cole outside. Uh, the club then uh ripped that and put that on Instagram. So uh it must have been good enough. Cole Palmer, shithouse moment of the match with a honorable mention uh for Alfie Gilchrist going absolutely berserk at the final whistle. I like Energy on a million with this kid. I don't understand how he does it, but I enjoy watching it every time.
0: I'm super surprised Nico Jackson didn't make the honorable mention for you with the very like the stoppage time where he went to go get the ball, acted like he was going to be the person to throw it in, held it for a couple seconds, bounced (laughs) it on the ground and then walked away.
2: That, that was phenomenal. It kind of reminded me of, you know, like uh, it was a couple seasons ago when Reese forgot he had arms and couldn't catch the ball <laughs> on the <laughs> sideline. It was too. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty good. I think all, all, all three of those are great. Good good, good shot, Dan. Uh, love to see a little
1: bit of the uh, shithousery. I'm, did we get any cautions for time-wasting at the end? Because Tierney was on it all match. So if not, we we got away with one there, I think.
0: Petrovic not getting one was kind of wild, considering how early he was
1: first half buying some time. About, about no, the 20th uh, minute, they were talking about Crusoe it. Gusto got one. For, yeah, he got yeah, one on right. the, yep, yep. So again, I would still say well played by everyone. That's good match management uh, by the team. So anyways, uh, we've got a lot to dig into. Let's get into this. We're going to take a first break. When we're back, 80 minutes of control. Guess what happened the other 10? Thank you, the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, 80 minutes of pure control, walking them in attack, walking them in defense, no problem. Uh, uh, So if we stick here, Chelsea managed the game without issue. First half, great, right? We've got the stats, Luton Town only had five shots, two off target, three blocked. Very easy first half for Mr. Petrovich. Got the early goal, vibes are feeling good. But I think, Nick, we've been in this situation before. Get the early goal. Sometimes we're conceding the early. We know that until the halftime whistle blows, (laughs) we are not safe. And there were some nervy moments. But when you see the fact that they really didn't even get a shot on target um, within the first half, we get our goal. A a little bit of optimism started to peak, right? Within the first 45, a lot of people uh, would consider it one of our better halves of of football because we didn't concede.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think we started – Uh, pretty poorly to, to be fair. I think the, you know, it was, you know, first 10 minutes again, I think this team really struggles first 10 minutes of either half, just trying to get into the game, get the feel for the game, all that sort of stuff. But really after that point, after Cole scored, which is off of, you know, it was just off of a broken play, right? I mean, it was off of a bad pass in and, you know, he had the awareness to take that, uh, chance and and bury it. And I think there's been this narrative about him that he's, he's really a set piece specialist or a penalty specialist right that's where his goals have you know so far kind of come from and all sort of stuff and he was uh bound and determined to uh to set that narrative aside today and i i'm I'm really appreciative of it but you know you look at the fact that they they had nothing on target until way late in the match it was a really decent performance first half especially was a decent performance i felt really calm about the whole thing you know it's you know for those on the west coast the 4:30 a.m. kickoff or the 6:30 a.m. kickoff where we are it's not always the most lively game of the weekend but this was it felt like there was a ton of great energy even though the team just played 3 days ago and you know they rolled out a lineup that had some you know kind of different looks to it than maybe we were anticipating and i think everyone kind of came out to play it's not not with it not without the bad performances in there you know i think there were some some uh, tough performances in the first half uh but i felt good at halftime dan i don't know about you
0: it's interesting i thought this was one of those games where i don't think you would argue that we played particularly well but we got the result, which is absolutely we will cash that check every single time and <laughs> run away skip away hop away delorean 88 miles an hour away as fast as possible to get to our next destination I think in general, like Cole didn't seem didn't seem like he was bothered to play much defense on the day, which was interesting. I mean, he was very much like I'm going to be as far forward as I can be, be right behind Broya, clean up, mop up, try to convert something, try to get an opportunity uh, for for a goal. What was really interesting was the shift to putting Nico on the wing alongside Matawake and playing them left and right. And you when know, we didn't see Sterling in this match, Broya was essentially a sponge for the defense and gave Nico I think a lot of really cool opportunity I I think he draws a lot of interesting criticism but I think overall I mean just the the assist he had in the goal that Palmer ended up magnificently taking in the way that he rounded the keeper absolute composure that you know is just not something we have always seen from many players in this side and then you know Matt getting in the spot as well Brandon I mean I think in general the attack did really well given the the challenges that we intended to face, which was that we were not going to necessarily get a, a lot of good shooting opportunities.
1: When I saw the lineup, I thought we were going to do two up top. And uh, so I was a little bit surprised to to see that he was on the wing, but he was very much on the wing. And as you talked about, it kind of morphed as well where uh, Palmer ended up finding himself in the middle. So I think like Broya would push to the far, Nico would stretch it, and they really tried to create... You know Cole on the center backs. I, I do feel like that was something that was a tactical setup by this team because they did it over and over. And obviously towards the end, Cole getting his third goal, he was in split the center backs. They had they weren't ready for him to make that run, especially on the counter. And and that worked quite well. Which again is something that I I think is a little bit new. Trying Jackson where he's been, maybe a little bit more comfortable. He doesn't have everything on his shoulders. Uh, and, in Broya, I think a lot of people consider him to, to have had a very quiet and effective match. Maybe his movement to create that space for Cole is actually what his role was on the day, which if so clearly worked.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He, he seemed more, Broya seemed more like a decoy yesterday to me. Um, and you, I think just like you said, Brandon, to me, it was, it was the off the ball runs, Using the left side for the quick interchange and then playing it through the center and opening up that space because I think physically Luton were trying to match us up man for man and I think we're losing you know Nico and or whoever was coming down the left whether it was Malagusto or Cole Palmer coming over or whatever and you know the, when I put in my halftime notes that I thought that Nico and Armando had played really well or played pretty good I think I said pretty good that's what I meant is they were doing the disciplined things, even if it wasn't coming off with like great ball control, they were still getting Mattawake and Palmer the opportunities to kind of get in and do what they do. And that worked, right? They both score goals in the first half. And so you think about the way that the team was playing uh, as, as soon as we got the ball through midfield, we had a run at them. Like there was, they had very little resistance, Uh, after we broke through midfield it was very clear that their game plan was to press us as high as possible and try and make Petrovich or our center backs make a dumb error and capitalize on it and once we broke through that I thought Nico was excellent uh doing a lot of that yesterday making the selfless runs making the interchange passes uh in particular and so you know yeah was it like a banner day for either one of them from a goal scoring perspective and did they kind of both fall off a little bit in the second half sure but I think they were asked to do something different than what we've typically seen them do this year as strikers. So I wanted to kind of call that out because I know that's a... It was a point of contention on Twitter yesterday, to say the least.
1: I, I tell you what, it's... Um, there's um there, Yeah, there's a lot of, like, you know, this and that. I think... we I'm, are we seeing an evolution, right? We need obviously more matches. to See, I'm I'm interested to see where this team goes. Uh, I think if nothing else, we can say Poch is trying different things to to pull things out of players and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, like especially Gabroya, like he's going to be focused on the three points which we got. And if you know his ability uh, created some options, I think will be good in that sense. Um, it, it, this is a team effort. We need to continue to just focus on um, you know finding what is the right play with these players. I mean, again, we had changes. I don't know, Dan, if we talked about the number of changes right at the top, right? But, like, um, Noni getting a start after coming in off the bench. Uh, yep. Again, Broya in. You said Jaxus. But, like, Casito and Connor in the middle again. Still no Enzo. Raheem still on the bench. The back line, I think, was pretty predictable. But um, – and Kunku, you know, only playing a substitute role, which – is probably best for everybody after he just played the last one. Um, Mudrick dropping onto the bench. So we're seeing more changes, but it, again, what was this? Like our third match in seven days as well. So that's probably yeah. a big take into it. But anyways, um, you know, getting a tune out of a team with even more changes is also a positive with this group.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, if this is angry Metawake, keep that dude as angry as possible. I don't know. Put him in a, he seemed pretty happy in his Instagram
1: post. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> maybe he's just angry at Poch. I don't know if Poch just needs to continue fueling that anger and getting the most out of him. And I think he he also had you know him and Gusto on the right hand side was kind of interesting. I think they had generally a, a good a good day, kind of a good uh, pairing together. It wasn't Gusto's best overall performance, but you know I think he was a little bit more occupied with. Uh, with Brown and uh, Darty coming coming up on the on the side as well, Medvedev did a little bit more, I think, defensively than than Jackson did. I think Jackson was really uh, taking it toe to toe with Mengi for the majority of the match. The fact that Mengi made it all the way to the seventy seventh minute without getting cautioned is probably pretty wild. Wild. This is just a. It was very interesting, but I, I think to your point, the fact that we're trying a couple of different things that we're seeing what works that we're willing to get players to commit like jackson in a a different role in a different position that's a positive thing giving players a little freedom trusting the midfield duo of kaisado i would say really more totally kaisado nick than Gallagher. i think gallagher was free roaming whereas kaisado was like i'm gonna hang out a little bit deeper and help be the the cleanup cleanup on aisle 11 like that's where he was active whereas connor was a little bit further forward but both of them had a ton to do today to try to keep everything kind of constrained and keep us kind of pushing a little forward, not falling too far back.
2: Yeah, I mean, just to talk on Matt Awake, okay, because I think this is our first real sample size of him in the Premier League this year, right? I, I thought he had a great day out. I mean, I think, you know, he's been knocked for not tracking back, doing not doing the defensive work that he should have been doing. And I think when you look at the progression of a player – you start to see, like, little things happen, right? He was on a side where it was very clear that DeSauci was going to need a little bit of help, um, and you could have said before the game, that that side's really our most vulnerable side, right? We have a center back playing right back, and you have a winger who is, loves dribbling and loves shooting and loves doing all the offensive stuff, but maybe isn't a defensive uh, effort guy, but he did. I mean, there was a lot of points where, where he was tracking back and seemed to... Really want to make a point, and I think he looked disappointed to come off um when he did, and I think that can only be a good thing, right uh, this team needs production, and if you're you know if you're Matt and you've scored two goals in your in your two opportunities that you've had in the Premier League this year, that's good you know that's what exactly what you're supposed to do and you know long may it continue i I, I thoroughly enjoy watching him play, and I think that they're started to get you know in the first half when we were really dominant started to get a little bit more of that relationship that i was hoping to see with him and palmer brandon where they were both kind of interchanging knew where each other were going to be they have played with england before they they know each other really well did the post game interview together it's very clear that matt wants to hop on the cole palmer train and, and ride that thing for a little bit
1: so i pulled up some of the stats here so he created the most shot creating actions with six uh, which again is what we need. We need shots. Now he created it. Did we get it? That's always up to something different. Um, he also, I mean, he didn't really have like a great actually, like Dan said at the beginning, point one. He scores the absolute banger. Uh, he was four for seven on his take-ons, right? So well above half, which is very good. Um, and I think that that is something else that we want to see. 91% pass completion percentage. Really, really strong. So for him to get two shots, one on target, and one goal, um, was really electric for him in that sense. Nick, he had five tackles and an interception and in two blocks. That's the type of day that Noni Matawake had, where obviously he was electric in attack, but he still did enough defensively to help and and rounded out his day, which uh is is again, he's stacking performances. That's what we want to see from everybody. Uh,
2: very specifically. Last point on Mattawake, and, and I know that Luton didn't play a uh, traditional low block like we've seen with some of the lower uh, Premier League sides this year, but what I like about Mattawake is that he is trying something different. Him and Palmer both have enough uh, technical skill in their bag to try new and different ways to break down defenses instead of just running into a wall every single time like we've seen. So I would be really intrigued to see if he is maybe a part of the possession attacking crew. Maybe it's him, Sterling, and Palmer with, with a Broyer or a Jackson or someone up top or an Nkunku where you're just trying everything, lots of little movements, right? Whereas the counter-attacking uh, side may have someone like Mudrick, may have someone like Jackson, may have, you know, trying something different there too. So I want to kind of call that out because I'm projecting where... We're going to see teams this season trying to figure out how he fits in. No doubt. Uh, The standout standout player,
1: probably this season, Dan, Cole Palmer, brace and assist, my word. Again, 1.1 XG by himself out of our 1.5 as a team. What he did to their goalkeeper and those two defenders was insane. That third goal, and and at first I was like, oh, maybe I thought maybe the ball bobbled to the side, and, and then he just tapped it in. No, no, no. My man rolled it over from left to right, fainted, burned the defender on the goal line, and then literally, like, casually passed it in. <laughs> it was insane. And when you realize that he was in control of that situation the entire time, that I, I was just like, hands down, we, this that was special. Because you think about Ali Giroux against Southampton, that was more yeah. like him just keeping his long legs on top of the ball is like it was a little bit chaotic. Not with Cole. He was in complete control the entire time. Absolutely dirtied, dirtied, looting up. Yeah, it's no surprise that he's
0: getting a lot of the early recognition for signing of the season. You know, there's a couple of end of the year themes or posts that tend to roll around. People talking about the best player of the season, the underrated player, and the best signing. And I think Cole right right now is running away with the best signing of the season. I think uh, between him and Gallagher, I'm seeing both of them as the player of the season one that people are talking a lot about, but specifically to Cole, very calm, very composed. I think this is showing to the point Nick made earlier that he is not just his penalties. And what I'm hoping is that this gets him more recognition from the team to continue to put him in situations where he can shoot He is a good shooter of the ball. Like He is a very, very composed finisher. I think he's very comfortable taking shots from a longer distance. Play him into the positions like you did in this match and reap the rewards. And that's going to be both with Nkunku on the pitch and with Nkunku off the pitch. But ultimately, Cole Palmer is going to be... I think, interestingly, I think he will clearly be the 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 fan favorite this season. I don't see anyone else upsetting that between now and the end of the season, Nick. I think he's, unless something were to change drastically, he's running away with the uh, the the fan favorite of the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I cannot believe how calm and collected he is at this age. Three defenders around him, rolling the ball over the goalkeeper. It just... That's a that's a I've done this a million times in practice sort of thing, and I'm going to do it in a game. And I, I just can't be more excited than I am to see him evolve as a player. I mean, he's still so damn young. I mean, you think about what he could potentially be as he gets toward his prime in, in four or five years. It It could be a really, really special player. I mean, the fact that he already has 12 goal contributions – at this point in the season, puts him on pace for 20-plus goal contributions this year. And, you, you you know, unless there's a major injury, which, knock on wood, we don't need any more of those, it's hard to see him not getting there. I mean, the only variable in his game right now is that he hasn't played with Kunku. <laughs> really. I mean, he's maybe a few minutes here or there, but, like, Brandon, you think about the future of what those two very instinctive footballers could do together. <laughs>
1: They will cook. There's
2: no doubt about it. And we don't have any
1: reference point because we didn't get to see him in preseason, right? Cole was right at the end of the window, and Nkunku was already out. So no doubt. Like Cole is an instinctive player. Um, so is is Nkunku. And Nkunku only looks forward. And they're gonna play ones, twos and stuff. And, and you're right, it is absolutely just gonna be great. But the again, um, Cole Palmer, like, I it's just he continues to play consistently. He was a 9.1 on sofa score. We know he was man of the match by a mile. He's still 21 years young, right? May 6th, he'll turn 22 almost at the end of the season. So look, Joe Shields, whatever he said to the owners to unlock this one, it is looking like fantastic business already, even with the 40 plus million uh, price tag. So Uh, Cole is the real deal and we are super lucky. And, um, again, the, we've talked about this in a previous episode, I think with Naz, like the timing just worked for Cole, where we had time to give young players minutes and he has stepped into a lot of different roles. He's played on the wing. He's played central. He's played false nine or just a striker. And he seems to find a way to do have a positive impact in every single match. Like, can we think of a thing where he's like negatively impacted a match? I, I, I can't think of anything, at least off the top of my head, where like maybe it's a late foul that they scored off of or a bad pass. Like I feel like he's just been only
2: positives. Yeah, The, the only other thing I'm, I'm going to look for is right now, we have nobody on our team that commands a double team or commands extra attention, right? We're, we're a group of players. We'll surround him. You think of Prime Ed and Hazard, right, and the attention that he brought in. I can't wait for other teams to start to put two or three players on him tactically and what that does to open up space for everybody else. I mean, I think he could really be that sort of attention seeker within uh, an opposition game plan. And if you think about, you know, and behind, you think about Nkunku, you think about Jackson, you think about, you know, balls over the top or ways to kind of get around an aggressive press. Like he could really be something that unlocks some easy goals for us at some point. And easy goals have been hard to come by for Chelsea football club. And so I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, as, as much as I'm excited for him now and to see how he evolves through the end of the season, I'm excited to see how teams start to game plan him and what Chelsea can do with the, you know, extra attention on, on a uh, kind of star number 10 player. I mean, absolutely uh, a class player really excited to see where he goes from
1: there uh and again you can even see by his heat map he, he doesn't have a position he, he goes where is needed and, and finds a way to get involved so uh love that again he's only you know behind jude bellingham again in, in all of europe for uh goals and assists at least the top five so uh excited to see where he goes credit where credit's due so we're gonna take our last ad break when we get back though Ten minutes of absolute chaos just as you all asked for so thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back all right, 10 minutes of absolute chaos you have to love it. What about uh, what about um, blood pressure Nick? is this a good time to talk to our friends and family about uh, getting tested for high blood pressure at the end of Chelsea matches?
2: Well, I yeah when I go in for my annual physical every year you know on the forum, uh they list do you have any special circumstances conditions and i have to uh you know disclose that i'm a chelsea football club fan and they understand why the levels uh spike as much as they do and uh, i'm sure there's some sort of uh you know new medication coming out from the makers of whatever to uh, help us deal with such things but goodness gracious man this was i, I this is the fun and frustrating all-in-one game. Right? This is the 3-0 in cruising. Everyone's singing it's a winter wonderland in the stands, doing the new Cole Palmer song. Everyone's having a good time. You're at this really unique stadium. You've you've so far through 75-80 minutes dominated a team that you know really hasn't been like shit on properly this year. Luton's kept most of these games really close, especially with the big teams. You know, Sam and, and Dan did the preview and kind of went through some of their results against Liverpool and Arsenal. And it's been tough to go there. I, th- I think that's a fair enough point. But it just feels like there's an off switch with this team. And when it goes off, it goes off. Like, they they lose all composure. They lose all situational awareness. And that's the last 10 minutes of this, or 10-plus Stoppage time, all the stoppage time that was put on. I think seven minutes total at the end. But Dan, I don't know how you felt about this, man. But I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, com- you know, comprehend it. It was early in the morning. I was a little tired, but like, I, I just couldn't understand what I was watching after seeing the eighty minutes previous. Can I? Yeah, uh, you, you the, hadn't had your. The uh, I was gonna say.
0: Nick hadn't had his sixteen shots of espresso, and I haven't oh, had uh, three death <laughs> lemonades. So we, you know, it
2: was, we got a this lot of the, feedback on that, by the way. We did. Oh, this was my. the
0: caffeine boost we needed.
1: <laughs> so, so to your point, so Brighton beat Luton four to one in the first match. They lost by three. We pumped them three nothing. Those are the biggest losses they've had all season. Outside of those two, the first two matches of the Premier League season, which you can probably say, hey, welcome to a new league, got punched in the mouth. They figured it out right away. They only lost Dan to Avila by two, three to one, and Brentford three to one. Other than that, every single game that they've lost has been by a single goal. They absolutely fight and scrap to the very, very end.
0: Well... I'll, I'll go into this because I, I think the, the question I was going to pose is like how much of this is Chelsea and how much of this is Luton at home. They have a good, good-ish home record, and I'm going to say it's not necessarily good because these involve losses and draws. But they beat Newcastle one nothing, only allowed Newcastle of two shots on target. They lost to City one two, and they were leading until the 62nd minute. They lost to Arsenal in a 4-3 thriller, they actually went ahead and Arsenal only won in the 90th and se- plus 7th minute to somehow w- pull that game back uh, despite you know, now really, really struggling in the month of December. You had the loss to Spurs, which was early in the season when Spurs still had everybody and Ange seemed to be a wizard. And then they drew to Liverpool. And again, that was a 90 plus third. They are a try to grind it out at the end of a match to really come in and this this is to the point of game states Nick is ultimately like you have to think about the phases of the game you have to think about that first 15 that second 15 you know and how people get into it Luton does have something pretty magical around that last 15 minutes and i think that's up to the players and the manager to realize like how do you protect that lead even though it's three with nothing, even though you shouldn't be necessarily too scared that you just locked this down appropriately because Luton unlike a lot of other teams, find a way to get involved in that last fifteen. They're the they're the one more round. Let's let's just do one more round right before the party's about to end.
2: Yeah, you always hate that guy. Um look I I, I think I I was disappointed with Potch in this one. Um I you know, I think that You know, up until the 80th minute or whatever, they they didn't really pose a threat. And I think the game plan could have been rightly lauded that, you know, Poch did a really great job. But the moment that it started to turn, it felt like he was slow to the draw to me. It felt like the subs weren't right. It felt like, I think Kunku had like 10 touches in his 20 minutes that, that he had on or something like that. It wasn't much. And it didn't really seem like we had the right personnel in the field Gilchrist comes on, tries to help solidify. I think we go five at the back to try and close down some of the crosses, all that sort of stuff. But it was, I mean, I just was not impressed with the way that he managed. Now, obviously, he has some stuff going on, Brandon, right? The the team is completely zapped at this point of the year, played seven matches in December, tons of injuries. But there's an opportunity in this game, as you see Moises Caicedo slow down pretty dramatically in the 80th minute, Connor Gallagher on his last gasp of air to throw in someone like Alex Matos to do a job, to close down people in midfield. There's a chance to get Gilchrist on much earlier than he did to see, you know, how Luton were starting to come alive and try and shut that down. I I think this was as much on him as it was on the players on the field. You know, I think Tiago had that exasperated look and, and posted on Instagram after saying, Hey, you know, the level is the level, and I'm sorry, but like this is essentially what I hold myself and my team to. I, I think I have more frustration with Poch than I do maybe the the players on the field. That's just my take.
1: Well, and Kunku had four touches, actually, Nick. Oh, uh, not in, okay,
2: not not even ten cool. in
1: 28 minutes. Uh, cool. And here's why. So I looked at the um, the the shot radar or like the time stamps and. Uh, there's a big reason why we didn't need any attacking subs. To your point, let's see, uh, we had Enzo on for Noni Matuweke and then Gilchrist for Palmer at the very end, right? But, like, we, we didn't do much, to your point. This is an exhausting December. Uh, the thing I think back to is we tried to play uh, Lavia, injured in that match. Immediately. <laughs> tried to play Ugachuku, injured uh everyone is just dropping and so to your point like people are running on fumes but um and enzo is a hernia
2: like yeah yeah i don't know if you guys know what a hernia is i look it up it's about the most like tenuous health situation that you can have it's a tear in your groin and it is really really bad if it goes really really bad and so playing athletic sports with a hernia seems to be a pretty tough situation for Enzo. He's clearly not been super fit all year. Now we kind of have an inkling as to why, like it, midfield's paper fucking thin right yeah. now. I mean, yep. we have two guys doing all this work, doing some really hard yards. Caicedo really, you know, kind of came on the second half a little bit, but like, what, what's the harm in throwing Matos on man? Like, and why isn't it in the 60th minute, you know, when, when things are in control and you can kind of get the, the game over the line the way you want to, why not throw Gilchrist on for a half hour when you're up 3-0? Give DeSauci a little bit of rest. Like, these are the sorts of decisions that boggle my mind. And, and it, maybe it's, I don't trust these kids yet. Maybe that's going to be his answer. You know, he would know best. He sees him in training. But I can't imagine that DeSauci would have been too disappointed to come off at 3-0 up, you know, and have himself a little bit of rest or Colwell or... Whatever. I mean, you got Matson in, in <laughs> around around Like, there, there were options. He didn't take them. I think that was my, my frustration. And then the game starts to get away with you, away from you, when, when the legs and the brains kind of turn off.
1: So we had um, in, our last shot was in the 77th minute, okay? That was Noni Matawake off target. Cole scored in the 70th minute. From there, it was all Luton Town. And you didn't need stats to know that, right? Barkley in the 78th saved. Adebayo hit the woodwork in the 80th minute. Ross Barkley scores in the 80th. All well, right. They had The offside goal. Uh, well, correct. Yeah. So you had, that, you had your warning shot. We'll call it that, right? The warning shot. And that would have been 2-1. All of a sudden now we're like, all right, we got to figure this out. And I think you know at that point um, they're just going to throw the kitchen sink because they're already losing. All they can do, and they got some hope. And again, just the the subs, like bring Enzo on to kind of lock a game out wasn't great. But uh Luton put up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight unanswered shots in the in the last 12 minutes of the match. Uh, that is a lot. That is an absolute flurry. And it was save, woodwork, goal, off target, save, 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 goal. So, like these are on target, and it's head. Yeah. Uh, I think 5 of them were headers as well so like we need height we need to stop the service right we need to get players in to stop the serve going in cuz Adebayo is a unit anyway so Dan, it all kind of like was was tough and it was um, it was not the man, the game management I was hoping from Poch the only thing that I do lean into as well is like, who knows what the actual fitness of the players on with the bench. But there, it, it's, it's going to be hard to get me to think that Ian Matson could not run and close down the wings and do pressure. Makala Mudra could run and close down the pressure, even Amatos. Sterling hasn't really played a lot either. But again, maybe there's lingering things, but it didn't feel great, I would say, at least watching.
0: Well, there's also just the awareness of the players who were out there to run in or get into a foul situation to run run to the corner right you know if you're feeling like they're you know to slow down the passing to find kind of the secure moments within the game and i think this is the thing that maybe was upsetting tiago silva is that it's just a higher level you know some of our players have just graduated from like footballing 101 you know so it's like 201 301 like we haven't necessarily gotten to graduate level coursework here that's what we need from these players. So I, I think part of it is on Poch, yes, part of it's on the players. And I think I'm not going to harp on it too much because we we won. We closed out the calendar year with a win. We didn't seemingly get into any new injuries. And to me, this is just a very valuable lesson in how quickly things can change in the Premier League. And really, the need to make sure that we we do the smart thing and the right thing when it comes to managing those game states next so i think that's ultimately like my, how, where i would leave it like yeah sure in the moment was i unhappy that we were conceding goals yes am i also aware that ludentown are ridiculously crazy in the last 15 minutes yes and so i think all these things can be true and it's not worth i mean, maybe getting so worked up as, as i've you know kind of felt like people were
2: ultimately i was
0: <laughs> i was <hugely laughs> I, I, worked i know I, I know <laughs>
2: So, I mean, but, but, I, but I'm frustrated. Like you th- Here's a sequence that I remember, probably 85th minute or something like this. Enzo Fernandez comes on for Noni. Not a similar profile of player at all. Not even a fit player has come on to the field. And instead of taking the ball to the corner flag, who, you know, he got the ball on the, on the left-hand side and was kind of dribbling around. He tried to dribble through Mengi, got the ball taken off him. They go down and I think score the out-of-bio chance. When, you know, he should know better. He's a World Cup winner. This is a guy who, is, yes, is young, but, like, is football intelligent, right? Like, it's the, it's the small margins in this league, and that's why I was worked up about it, Brandon, because this isn't a game that should have been close at the end. Sure, you know, give, give your props to Luton for, for doing their thing, and it is a lesson for how quickly things can change in the Premier League, no doubt, but you should have never been there. After the first goal goes in, mentally you have to switch – your, mo- your mode and they just didn't and it felt like if we played another five minutes that lube would have equalized that's a that would have been a really really devastating result no doubt no doubt at all
1: thankfully hey we we got it over the line right so this is uh i think i had it was in our like whatsapp but you know our average age was 24.1 to Luton's 26.7, and that's with a 39-year-old. We we are essentially a U22 team with Thiago Silva beating a Premier League team, even though they're just newly promoted, and that lack of experience is clearly on display hey, this is what the, the, the sporting directors wanted. This is their project. This is where we're at. And so thank God they, they got it over the line because, again, this is 18th place Luton, right? We're not knocking City here 3-2 at the very end surviving. <laughs> it's a very different situation. So um, that look, that's the majority of the match. We, we have a couple more pieces, but... With it being New Year's Eve, we wanted to throw out maybe some New Year's resolutions for the players, the manager, and the club, right? You know, because why not, right? We can give some opinions and hopefully not, you know, upset too many people. But if we can do one New Year's resolution, and we'd propose this to a player or the players, um, what do you guys think you'd say to, to the squad? So, Dan, you walk in the dressing room. You got everybody. You're either going to pull one in your office or you're going to talk to the team. What's your approach?
0: I'll say I, I did put this out and ask people for their suggestions, and there was a lot of stay fit, stay injury free, which I think some of that's up to them, but maybe some of that's just up to how they get played, and, and maybe that is on uh, you know the the manager or the other player availability. I think the decision making was a big one, finishing. You know, I I would say I am totally cool with fouling embrace the dark arts, become, as Nick Verlaine would say, the bastard-coated bastards with bastard filling. Like, I, I would love that. I would love more steel on this side. Just foul situationally and, and work out the unnecessary cautions, the small mistakes that we're making, because we were getting cautions for dissent, which is like the, hey... We've all learned now. We've all learned that you are gonna get a yellow card for mouthing off to a ref or an official. So just don't do it. Let the captain go up and do it because they're the one who can get away with it and put yourself in a position to make the smart foul in a game later in the match or to make yourself available for future matches because you're not getting suspensions off of cards. I think that is where I'm totally cool with fouling. I am totally cool with trying to manage the game and to play tough and to play physically. But ultimately we have to be uh, you know, a more competent side and more aware of the situation.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think part of that situational awareness that we were just talking about, I think mine's pretty basic and it's something that's annoyed all of us. I think at some point this year, the sad Instagram post after a loss, Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Talk with your play, not on Instagram. I want to see in the second half of this season and for all of next year, for all of eternity, I want to see players who show up like Cole Palmer did, like Noni Matawake did, uh, like Tiago Silva did yesterday, and put up or shut up. Like, I want to see players go out there and play football in a really interesting dynamic and competent way. I don't want to see... Any more Instagram posts about, man, we'll keep fighting. We want to see that. We don't want to hear it.
1: I put commit to the manager and ride the ups and downs. Young team. A lot of new faces. It's not going to be easy, but uh, just, you know, stay, stay neutral. Try not to ride the highs too much and definitely don't ride the lows too much because it's going to keep happening this season, I think. So uh, if they do that, I think we'll be in a much better situation, especially the way that we're, we're looking in the cups, which I'm excited. Which, anyways, Dan, uh, the manager, right? If you, you get to sit down in Potch's office, he's behind the desk. You and I are, are pretty much looking eye-to-eye at him. And, and what are we saying? I think win the Carabao
0: Cup. Please go win the League Cup. Go win a trophy. I mean, Chelsea is about winning, first and foremost. That is the essential part of our DNA. And it is unquestionably the thing that is missing for Chelsea supporters potentially over the last season and a half is winning something. And so we are not necessarily in position to win the league. We are not in a European competition. You have the Carabao Cup and maybe an FA Cup run. This next series of matches against Middlesbrough, you have to win them convincingly. And we had to strut into the club final and absolutely demolish, destroy, and win that cup, hoist that cup, put that in the trophy. It's, it would be great for Poch personally, as his, his stature and standing in English football. It would be great for these young players to help them mature, help them understand the flavor of winning something and it'd be great for the supporters who would get to see us win something because the league is not on the table. So, yes, Brandon, 100% aligned with you. Winning a cup has to be the non-negotiable for Poch and team in the back half of the year.
1: We've got a double fixture home and away with Middlesbrough in January and on the other side is Liverpool-Fulham. So, obviously – uh, we would like to not see Liverpool, but if we have to, it's a great, great chance to to get it across the line. All right, Dan, let's step out of the office. We're going to let Nick take this on his own. Nick, what are you saying to Potch? Uh,
2: You got to fix the in-game situational awareness stuff. I, I think it's been apparent that for me, if plan A hasn't worked, that plan B is not always a great fix. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, But I think there are times where, and not just yesterday, in previous games as well, where it's been too slow to make changes. It's been too slow to swap personnel. It's been too slow to change up tactics. I want to see a more locked-in version of Poch the second half of the season and into um, next season as well. I want to see him so locked in that he's making uh, some really difficult calls. You know, If a player's not performing in the first half, yank him. You know, I know it sucks, but, you know, you, you can't afford uh, to carry people in this league. And I think there have been some times where, you know, wh- whether it's his uh, management or the players play or every combination thereof, that it just hasn't worked. And I want that, you know, the identification of how we can a- attack uh, a, a weakness in a defense, how we can shore up our own weaknesses to to be a lot more uh, quick draw next year so. Uh, I think that will help us win the cup, as I predicted at the beginning of the season.
1: I love that. And then lastly, the club. We jump into the boardroom. I'm asking to streamline operations. Too many people with to say injuries are a mess. Priority one, priority two, get the playing team where they need to be. Then everything will go from there. Stadium, sponsors, everything else. But it all starts with that, that first team dressing room and getting those players healthy and firing at maximum. If we right now, it's a mess. All right, we don't know who's running what, right? So streamline it. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh,
2: my um, two parts here. One, I think they do. You know, as we've talked about in recent weeks, I think they do need to say something. I think they need to say something real. Um, I think they need to come out and do interviews with the club's media. I think they need to uh, publish things in you know uh, on the club site or in the in the match day program. Uh, I think they need to say something. About where this is going uh, to keep us all updated. Uh, I'm not saying they have to say something every week, but you know, at at this point, I think wrote a little bit of an explanation as to what's happening, what's going on, what the stadium is going to look like, what per player personnel you know could potentially look like, what our boardroom might look like, you know, and all the all the senior directors of the club. So I want to I want to see a plan evolve here, and I want to see comms improve and. I want to keep Connor Gallagher and make a better pathway for elite, elite Academy talent so that they are not at best financial make weights for some player who doesn't pan out because of amortization or whatever. Like the club has over-indexed the, the sporting directors and, and the owners have over-indexed on one strategy, which leaves us vulnerable in other places. I want to see them balance that out and figure out how to make, you know, the the Gallagher situation whole. I want to see if there is a way to make the Matson situation whole or if there, you know, as you will talk to uh, Phil this week, Brandon, if there's another up-and-coming academy talent that you can earmark as like, this is going to be the next guy and the next guy and the next guy that's going to make this team uh, function because I think what we've seen is Alfie Gilchrist, that energy, that passion, that enthusiasm can be fucking infectious. You know, it can really help you know, a team that isn't quite all together yet. So two, uh, two things and long winded at best, but I think the, the club side is the, is the real bugaboo here. There you go. Uh, the, no other player
1: is eliciting the reaction that Alfie is and granted he is just hyped out of his mind when he gets on the pitch, but it's that passion and that commitment to the club where, Nothing else matters is what we love, and that's what you get from Cobham. So, anyways, Dan, what, uh, and we see it from Connor, I guess, is where I was going with all of that. Dan, uh, over to you.
0: Well, I was going to go with the decision by committee piece, which I think ties to your streamlining operations. So, another one that I had earmarked in case uh, we, we doubled up anywhere was keeping fans central in the decision making process. You know, I think there have been, you know, some. Some good decisions, some average decisions, and some poor decisions like the you know, coach fare and things of that nature to cover supporters getting from, from ground to other ground. The rumored increase in ticket prices after being frozen for some period of time. You know, I, I think there's give and take on all these things, right? I think we have to acknowledge that things like price increases happen over time, and that's just the nature of businesses. But you bought a club— and while it is an investment for Clear Lake and it's an investment on what they want to do from a Blueco and a sporting perspective, it's not an investment necessarily for the 30,000, 40,000 people who show up to Stanford Bridge to watch the team play, who show up at King's Meadow to watch the women in the academy teams play, to, who assemble in pubs across the world or watch from laptops at all hours of the evening to or the morning to try to get Chelsea in their lives as you know any way as possible and so i think there's going to be a lot of tough decisions in the next year you know if chelsea are not in europe if chelsea have declining revenues if chelsea can't secure the sponsorships they're looking for i mean i think that to me like you have to go hard on the corporate sponsorships on the endorsement kind of deals the brand partnerships to really find your value there don't look at the the fan as the dollar look at those opportunities of the dollar. And I say this knowing very, very high and well that, you know, we all, we all are a part of the uh, American capitalistic experiment uh, talking about a, a UK um, community based endeavor such as football. But that to me is probably the one thing I would ask the, the board for more than anything else. Said the club is just, you know, try to make these decisions with the supporters in mind and advocate for them as best as possible. Kickoff times, kickoff times that are doubled up from men's and women's fixtures. So you can't attend both games because they're on the same day and they're too closely connected. Like there's a whole lot that they could do with the club and with the ownership to advocate for improvements that makes the fans life better. And that would be something that that would be a great thing to achieve this year.
1: A lot of options, the good news. A lot of ways to win quickly and uh, and win big. So at the end, I love how we're all central on just success at Chelsea, right? We're not we're not doing anything crazy here. So, um, all right, well, let's go ahead and uh, start to wrap this one with Dan of the match because if it's a win, we're in. You said some tense moments at Kenilworth Road, but Chelsea emerged victorious. Goodbye, twenty twenty three Blues, Dan. Uh, how did it? How did the landslide go?
0: Well, 87% of you thought Cole Palmer was the man of the match. Thiago Silva with some pretty big blocks at the end there with 8%. Nico Jackson with beautiful assists and also some cheeky dark arts with a 3%. And then Nani Madueke with about 2% of the tally. I think you could have made a case for Petrovic. The fingertip save he made was pretty delicious as well, but uh, I don't know. Did I miss anybody? Should anybody else have been in
1: here? It, no. It, it didn't matter. They were non-consequential when Cole has yeah. two goals and assists.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think Silva Silva was a lot closer in my mind than the, the 87 to 8% because of, of what he did at the end of the game, but, yeah, it's Cole's world. We're just living in it. Yeah, it was so
1: good. Uh, and, you know, credit, respect to Nico for for getting votes in there as well. Uh, when a day he was largely kind of on the outside creating, uh, even though, you know, kind of got his assist. But, my gosh, I'd like to think I could have hit that pass too. It was well uh, formed for him. So, anyways, some of the other results from this one. By the way, this this uh, match week is stretched out as long as the Premier league could have possibly done. Dan, you just talked about fixtures and scheduling things like this. Um, we started the matches on the 30th of December, and they won't end until the 2nd of January. So, yeah. uh, interesting results here, right at the end of December. Clearly, people are tired because there are some interesting results here at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the year.
0: Well, Aston Villa beating Burnley 3-2. Burnley picking up a red card there. Crystal Palace having their time and their way with. Brentford, 3-1. Man City, no surprise, getting it done over Sheffield, 2-0. Wolves, absolutely beaten up on Everton, 3-0. And I think the Everton resurgence is officially over. Forrest beating Man United in wonderful, glorious fashion, 2-1. Fulham beating Arsenal, 2-1 as well, also fantastic. And then Tottenham. The only one who spoiled it at the end, uh, 3-1 over Bournemouth. I guess that only helps in the fact that it keeps Bournemouth down. Tottenham were ahead of us already, but it uh, does make climbing up the table a little bit more tough. But, you know, we'll see what happens with Liverpool and Newcastle. We'll see what happens with West Ham and Brighton. Some draws in there would not necessarily hurt our, you know, early 2024 plans, which is to climb the table.
1: And we'll talk about this, right, a little bit more about AFCON is kicking off. So a lot of players are going to be missing, uh, including ourselves, uh, as well. But uh, table table as it stands, all right? We got Liverpool up top, Aston Villa in second, and they're level on points. The difference being Liverpool has a game in hand, so as long as they pick up any points, uh, they will be on their own at the top. Manchester City in third place on forty points. Arsenal dropping to fourth, also on forty points. So that's Liverpool and Villa on forty-two. City and Arsenal on 40. Tottenham 5th and 39 and uh, West
2: Ham on 33. Yeah, you look at this, right? Man City having a terrible year by their standards. They're still two points off of first with the same game in hand that Liverpool has. Like, you know, the narrative just needs to go away. They're going to be just fine. Uh, What's interesting, though, is Chelsea picking up a couple of wins gets us on 28 points in 10th. Okay. Now you start to math it a little bit. Newcastle on a massive slide. Uh, We recently beat them in the cup, if you remember. On 29 points in ninth. They're gettable. Brighton on 30 points in eighth. Gettable. United, free fall, although I'm sure a new manager bounce is coming with them, uh, in seventh on 31 points. So they are in striking distance today on that. West Ham in sixth on 33 points five points off of sixth place. If Chelsea can put a run together, and I know we've said that 80 fucking times this year, it's not impossible to see how this team can get up towards, you know, sixth place, I would say is probably the the most achievable kind of area for us. Tottenham six points ahead of West Ham on 39, right? That's basically the gap I see right here is 39 to 33, fifth and sixth place it's doable team just has to win if they win consistently you're going to see them jump up newcastle and united in particular are in shambles you know west ham and brighton play tomorrow so it's it's all there it's all there the team just has to fucking win
1: yeah look liverpool beat newcastle which it seems to be very predictable at this point or you know there now newcastle is is just sitting dead in the water right they're not doing anything uh, which is which is good for us, but yeah, look, I'll, I'm gonna let end it there. If Nick is gonna preach some positivity and the potential upside of the season, I, we should let it. We should let it land, Dan. I, I'm not gonna get in the way.
0: Yeah, new year, new that's me, worth baby. popping some champagne bottles all by itself. Let's go.
1: <laughs> oh man, I love it. It's uh, look at the end of the day, you gotta do it right. The the opportunities are there. Thank gosh, because honestly, two three weeks ago, I think we were looking below us in the table and everybody that was you know, bubbling up. Right. And, and us. obviously wolves seem to be in a good patch. Uh, all, and then they're on the same points as well, but we, we had just have to look up, right. And if we can jump two, three teams and really start to separate us from the, the double digits, like we said, we want to stay away from the teens. We want to get into the single digits. Um, again, with a U 22 side, largely it's, it's going to create some momentum and in, in some things, two cups, I mean, that is crazy. If, if you go win the League Cup, um, what a boost that would be for the, for the confidence of this squad as well. So health. We still have nine players out between doubtful and injured, right? And, and we just need to continue to get people back and fully fit for the back half of this season. All right. Well, look, we got a lot done in this one. Uh, we got a common crew coming up. We got more pods coming at you this week. It Ooh, is the beginning of January. One. We got a special one that Nick is going to go ahead and announce now.
2: Yeah, we have Pat Nevin coming back yes. on the pod uh, on Tuesday. So, you know, your first day back at work, you're going to get a little Pat Nevin, Professor Pat, back on the pod. Uh, you guys know we absolutely adore him, uh, and he's, he's back and, and really uh, brings some uh, incredible knowledge uh, with him. So get excited for that one. Get excited for the you know, Chelsea Youth episode. Get excited for the preview. Bunch of good stuff to kick off the year
1: and then as always we got the FA Cup match preview uh, which will be going out on Friday. But look, it is January. It is a transfer window. Who knows what the hell we're going to be up to? We're going to have Matt and Naz locked in all month to cover you on everything that's going on. So look, get involved. Come join us on Discord. Sub on YouTube. Leave the five star reviews. The party is kicking off in January. The big announcement. We're excited. If you want to hear about it first, head to Discord. Uh, all of the rumors and inklings happening there. So, anyways, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high.